Saved your plate. No, thanks. I'm not hungry. You're going to want to try the omelet and the bacon. And the waffle. Oh, my God. This is delicious. Told you. At the time of transmission, the Peregrine was making an unscheduled emergency landing on a class L planet, Vallejo Beta 5. Uh, emergency landings ever scheduled. The ship made its descent, but its beacon went out mid-transmission. Destroyed on impact. Well, uh, do you have the... Where's the... Um... Extra cheese? Mm. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Positively Trek Book Club. I'm your host, Dan Gunther, flying solo this week. But we've got an exciting episode for you, a little different from our usual book club episodes. Today, we will be talking to author Chelsea Monroe Castle, who has written the Star Trek Cookbook, which just came out yesterday, September 20th, 2022. Uh, we will have links in the description for you to pick that up if you don't already have it. Uh, and I would really encourage you to check out this interview, this book. I've had it for a few days now and have been able to flip through it and check out some of the recipes and some of the really cool Star Trek references. It really is worth it for fans of Star Trek who are also foodies. And even if you're not much of a foodie, this book might just make you one. I'm definitely eager to try some of the recipes in this book. So without further ado, let's welcome Chelsea into the podcast and talk to her about the all-new Star Trek cookbook. So a little different this week on the Positively Trek Book Club, as I've said, uh, we're talking about the Star Trek cookbook, and we are honored to have the author, Chelsea Monroe Castle, with us to talk about it. So Chelsea, welcome to Positively Trek. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here today. Excellent. Well, I love that we're talking about this book because it's positively Trek and there are no more positive experiences I can think of than gathering with friends and family for great food. And I love that we have this resource now to be able to do that with a bit of a Star Trek flair to it. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's, that's really sort of where I was coming from putting the cookbook together. You know, I, I wanted it to be obviously very approachable, very user-friendly, but also as canon as I could possibly make it. Because uh, I, I know what fandoms are like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so I tried to get it very, very right. Yeah. I mean, we're we're famous as being very patient and accepting and yeah, all of that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's that attention to detail though, that honestly made the cookbook happen though. Like it, I cannot imagine how much longer it would have taken without resources like Memory Alpha. Mm -hmm. like, I just, I, I shudder to think. Uh, uh -oh. so. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the good folks over at Memory Alpha and Memory Beta for absolutely. their tireless yeah. efforts. It's, it's wild, the stuff that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about you because I was I was kind of reading your background and and you've done many tie-in cookbooks before, like for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, Game of Thrones, which I got I got to pick that up now. Um, <laughs> Firefly, World of Warcraft, so many more. What draws you to doing projects like this? Well, I am a huge nerd. For starters, I think that's a good uh, <laughs> qualifier. I've got sort of a, a treasure hunting streak in my genetics, I think. And so I love I love the hunt, right? The searching for, you know, whether it's gemstones somewhere or 
the correct recipe, you know, the, the recipe that's the best fit. And so I think that that really sort of weirdly scratches that itch for me, especially when it comes to uh, some of the historical cookery that I've done and trying to really sort of parse Middle English in some cases or mm. older uh, and try and figure out, you know, reading it out loud to try and figure out what on earth they're talking about and then trying to turn that into a, a workable modern recipe. And it's also just, it's, you know, everybody's got to eat, right? It's as convenient as it would be to have replicators. Uh, we don't yet. So if, you know, if you can make dinner more interesting and more fun, why not? You know, <laughs> and, uh, absolutely to experience favorite fandoms in a new way. Oh, excellent. I, I also see that uh, living abroad in Turkey really kind of gave you a passion yes. for new and interesting food. That that really spoke to me. I spent two years teaching English in South Korea, and oh, I lament that my town is too small to have a Korean restaurant. So oh. anywhere, anytime <laughs> I go somewhere, I got to get that. And I've tried my hand at it, and I'm not bad, but... Uh, I, I just nothing beats the real thing. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And I can totally see how that would really influence you to like search out these new and interesting ways. And also the uh, the thing you say about um, gastro diplomacy, right? Mm. You know, this idea of bringing cultures together over food, which is uh, really spoke to me. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, part of this was written in, you know, peak pandemic when we couldn't mm. come together to enjoy food together. And so it's sort of, uh, there's a, a touch of longing in there. That's maybe uh, where that came from. But my wish now, you know, with all these amazing new shows coming out is, you know, we've got three new premieres lined up pretty soon, two or three. Mm -hmm. um, at, you know, why not have a premiere party with friends? Like how fun would that be? Um, oh, so yeah. we need to put together a couple menus for us, but <laughs> uh, we've got Picard and Discovery and Strange New Worlds again, and it's just so much to be excited about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, before the pandemic, my friends and I always got together to watch Star Trek, and uh, we're all nerds too, so Star Trek, Star Wars, we had something before all of this called the Porg Party, and we had all these <laughs> themed foods like... Wonderful. Uh, uh, porgs in a blanket, sweet and sour boneless <laughs> porg. It was it was great, and Love my it. only regret is we didn't have your Galaxy's Edge cookbook because I bet you there's some really cool stuff in there too. For that, it's true. They wouldn't let me cook porg for that though. I will oh. say. so you got to bring your own <laughs> porg recipes. But yeah, I feel like they're sort of the the tribbles of Star Wars, right? It's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so you could do yeah. spatchcocked. Yeah, just use the triple recipe. I was I was gonna say we've got to talk about the spatchcocked triple <laughs> recipe because I I wasn't expecting when I opened this book to have moments where I flipped the page and laughed out loud and <laughs> sitting by myself in a room flipped that sauce spatchcock triple and audibly laughed like my I wife upstairs that. was like are you okay <laughs> yeah I'm fine <laughs> oh, that's terrific well that one was. Um obviously inspired by the that amazing short track that gives us the origin story of the Tribble, mm -hmm. uh, which is just, I can't get enough of that one. It makes me laugh so hard every single time. And he's just standing there. It's like, I did it though. I did it. I made the Tribbles. <laughs> like, I mean, well, there you go, right? I made the Tribbles. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> these are now, I got these as a photo prop for the book and they are everywhere in the house, completely. Oh. You left them alone with the Quadro Triticale, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. Well, uh, your your comment about 
writing this during the pandemic, uh, I, I think that idea of togetherness and that yearning for that really comes across. There's a quote in the welcome cadets section at the start. Uh, the experience of togetherness is one that cannot be replicated. Mm. And and I love that for the pun, but yeah, also, yeah. you know, thinking about that during the pandemic, that makes sense that that was yeah. something that was kind of forefront on your mind there. Well, and it's also sort of a, a slight defense of the cookbook, because, you know, a lot of people say, well, why do you even need a Star Trek cookbook? They all have replicators. So, mm. I mean, kind of, but... We still see so many people cook in all of the different series. Uh, Enterprise has its chefs, its pre-replicator. Sort, of, I mean, they get complicated, but basically pre-replicator. But even, you know, obviously we get Neelix later on. Captain Pike. I mean, why they didn't give me a sneak peek at that before my deadlines? Like, Oh, man. Well, they, I mean, this is jumping maybe to the end of the interview, but does that mean possibly maybe we'll get a follow-up? Because Oh, I would love to. I'm insufferable to watch these with now because I'm constantly <laughs> pausing it and taking notes. I'm just like, I'm so irritating to watch shows with. Did you see that? Was that a sausage or do you think that was more like a meatball? Like, <laughs> shut up and watch the show. Go back later. I'm trying to be better, but not very oh, I love it. I'm... I'm feel like I'm the same, especially when it comes to Star Trek. Like maybe the first time through, I'm not doing that, but I've rewatched these so many times. You know, yeah. you're always pausing yeah. and like, oh, you can make out what it says on that computer graphic. What is that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's definitely room for more. Excellent. Someone suggested even uh, sending myself on one of those, uh, the Star Trek cruises and seeing if I could do a cooking bit with Anson Mount. And I was like, do you, do you, do you think I could? Like, oh. that sounds like a dream job for me, but that would be great. Yeah. Really hysterical. Oh, so I I dwell on that every now and then. That just sort of lives rent-free back here as a what if. That's awesome. And I, I've heard that Anson Mount or, or Captain Pike's predilection for cooking is taken from Anson Mount. So it I definitely think gives the impression of a man who knows the way around a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I love that they went with that, you know, and they just, he's got the big rack of ribs and all <laughs> kinds of things. I've since screenshotted, you know, little canapes and things. But oh, man. Excellent. So well, let's talk a little bit about the dishes in here then, because I, I have to admit, like, I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan that, that like, I like, I love them all, but Deep yes. Space Nine just has a special place in my heart. I flipped to that first page after the sauces. The, the first section and it's syrup of squill and i'm like i know that episode yeah. i get that reference <laughs> so so many of these dishes come from you know one-off mentions in episodes films and even games and books which blows my mind we'll get to that um <laughs> What was the process like coming up with some of these recipes when in a lot of cases there's initially very little to go on, sometimes even just a name? Sure. Complicated and involved is the short <laughs> answer. Uh, I always start with a lot of lists. So obviously the first list is everything I know has to go in, everything that people are going to be expecting, you know, plomeek soup, little food cubes, uh, Ractagino, so everything that off the top of your head as a Trek fan, you're like, well, if it doesn't have that, like, mm -hmm. what are you even doing? So that's the first list. Uh, second list then is something along the lines of everything that I think sounds good, you know, pulling from the memory alpha and memory beta lists, so conveniently assembled uh, for my benefit. 
Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, running through that and saying, well, what sounds good, you know, and even subdividing that into like fruits or vegetables or seasonings, things like that. So that later on, you know, I said, well, I've got this idea for a thing with jam on top. What kind of jam could it be? And I can reference back to that and say, Udaberry, we'll make it Udaberries. And then you have to look at what does Udaberry taste like? I, let's decide. Uh, <laughs> and then it's, it's a matter of sort of subdividing that into main courses, drinks, desserts, things like that, and balancing, seeing where I need a few more things, trying to build off of that. And then just kind of go in from there. If I happen to have saved something that I've seen over the years that looked really cool, but didn't fit into anything I was working on. Maybe this is the moment for that. So I've kind of got a couple of secret Pinterest boards of just weird stuff that I've hoarded uh, hmm. over time. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's a lot on the front end before even getting to the kitchen. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I mean, you can tell the, the labor that went into this and the, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so involved and there's, there's so much thought put into a lot of these that some, some of the recipes I'll look at them and I'll be like, I never thought of <laughs> using that for that. That's so, that's so clever. I love that. Oh, fabulous. No, that's, that's always what I want. Uh, and I always get a little nervous before the books are out, uh, any of the new cookbooks, um, because it it's a big deal, you know, it's, it's sort of diving headfirst right into the middle of the fandom and the world and the lore and everything else. It's a lot of pressure, but it's also a huge honor. You know, I, I get to maybe answer very minor questions that people have had about, you know, what do they call those food cubes? Well, now they've got a name. So <laughs> <laughs> I got to say the food cubes, like you, you have the kind of mind I think that's perfect for this book because when I got to that page and I saw them, I was like, I didn't even think of those. The little, <laughs> I, I think they were like wooden blocks they used. I don't know. Sometimes they used um, melon, like cantaloupe. Mm, yeah. So some of them are like technically edible, but melon and food coloring does not a recipe make. So, mm. uh, and I went through a lot of, that was one of the most difficult recipes to really pin down, I think. That uh, one was exciting to me with the the glutinous rice flour. And I was like, oh, yes. I know exactly the texture of these now. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you can, you know, the the combinations of colors and flavors are limitless just based on what kind of extracts you have or can obtain. Uh, so you can really make it your own and play with it, I think. That's pretty cool. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I, I, I so want to just throw a party now where, you know, this is like a featured dish and so yeah. colorful and beautiful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
This episode of Positively Trek would not be possible without our supporters on Patreon. Thank you all so much who have donated to keep the show going. Including our Constitution class supporters, Joyce Marin, Justin Ozer, Jim Stoffel, Jesse Earle, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. Thank you all so very much. We really do appreciate it. If you'd like to support Positively Trek, simply go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at one of our many levels and get early access to episodes, ad-free versions of episodes, associate producer credits, in-episode shoutouts, exclusive content, and much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thanks again, and now let's get back to the show. <laughs> let's talk about the spatchcock tribble now. Oh, do Just, that. I, I love that term spatchcocked, and I'm I'm not a foodie. I'm not a, a yeah. great cook, but I think I was watching Bob's Burgers when I first heard that term, and I had to look it up. And uh, I, I love the idea of this. <laughs> Sorry, folks listening, but this splayed open <laughs> tribble on your plate. Uh, thankfully, de-haired, but uh, yes, yes. Um, how did you come up with that one? With what exactly the the components of the tribble are in that sure. dish? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I went back and forth because of my my porg history with Star Wars and how I wasn't allowed to do porg, even though like they cook porg in the movie. I think so. Like, <laughs> really, I'm not sure what the deal is, but I guess it was not kid friendly or something. Like, but you put it in the movie; it's right there. Anyway. Uh, so for tribbles I went back and forth because they're really cute and whatever else but the short trek just sold me on it and he's like well they're you know you take the hair off they're pretty much just meat and so it's like (laughs) all right so I mean meatballs would have been obvious but I already had meatballs and so I just you know spatchcocking for those who might not know is sort of taking poultry like a, a quail or something and cutting it down the middle just enough that you can open it up and it takes less time to cook and is impressive presentation um the idea of doing that with what is essentially a meatball giant meatball a round thing uh just gave me the giggles because it's like you're not you're not really doing anything you know you're not changing how it looks it's still just a round piece of meat at the end of the day uh it's a very fancy name for what is a a pretty straightforward thing honestly Mm -hmm. but i did build a replicator uh that i photographed it in so that's what oh the, uh, very cool uh, original series replicators so yeah well this is a, probably a good transition there then because that's one thing that jumped out to me of course is the photography in the book too mm. there's so many great photos and like opening up and seeing the the grapok sauce and just that bold red color um hats off who did the photography for this i did oh yeah. excellent very cool yeah. Thank you. No, it, uh, you know, my usual comfort zone for food photography is very much Game of Thrones, Uh, Mm. rustic and pewter and kind of dirty looking. So this was a very far cry from that. Uh, It's very clean lines and and good lighting. Uh, It's not a candle in sight. (laughs) (laughs) I had to start with a lot of dishware and cutlery sourcing. Um, but even that was fun, you know, pulling screenshots and saying, all right, don't let me down internet. Like, where did they get those really cool forks from Enterprise? And mm, of mm-hmm. course the internet delivers. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you from experience now that if you watch T'Pol eating in Enterprise and she's doing these dainty little teeny bites, 
it's not a Vulcan thing. It's just the forks are obnoxious to use. They are the <laughs> worst forks for actual utility that I've ever encountered. So it's uh, wow. needs must, but she pulls it off completely. That's excellent. I feel like that's a that's a theme in Star Trek. Like some of those mugs on Deep Space Nine with those huge flared bases and stuff. I feel like they'd be like I don't know what the inside's like. I don't know if that flared base actually fills with liquid, but if it does, like that last little bit of coffee must be impossible to get. <laughs> Drinking from a beaker, essentially. You'd exactly. Slosh. I think you'd be in danger of. But <laughs> well, um, I mean. Uh, first contact day salmon. Um, <laughs> I, I love that we have an actual recipe for that now. Uh, and, you know, lower decks references. That's enough oh, to get me on side for anything. Yeah. I love that. I, I adore lower decks. I cannot get enough of it. We're rewatching it with a friend now. And it just, I laugh until I cry almost every oh, yeah. single episode. It's just, it's a both a love letter to all of Star Trek and making fun of it. But in the, the, most heartfelt loving way possible it's so good lower decks and uh picard had just come out when i was wrapping up like last couple of weeks maybe before my final deadline of recipe submission i was like well i've got to get something in there from these i can't mm. not i mean with strange new worlds now the cookbook is woefully you know out of date already you know it comes out tomorrow but uh, <laughs> it's just like no <laughs> <laughs> um but as you said, maybe there's room for more later. Oh, that would be great. Well, that that kind of brings me back to my next question, because I was curious while I was reading this, which presented the bigger challenge for you? Was, was it hard to come up with recipes and, and dishes because there were too few references and you kind of had to like see what there was and work with it or was the opposite the problem was there's so much that you couldn't get everything you wanted to in the book well it's weirdly sort of a mix um like there's there's a wealth of uh information i've got a running list now from all the shows post deadline that i'm i'm updating just in case so on the one hand you know i've got pages and pages of things that didn't make it into this uh including you know a couple of the recipes that got away that i just couldn't quite mm. get there in time so you've got that but you also as as you sort of touch on there's not a lot to go on for a lot of these you know maybe it's a, a great sounding name and that is it and so that's kind of in, intimidating in its own way and so trying to navigate that and say well do we see it on screen at all do we even have a color to try to match but then sometimes you know plumique soup we see looks four different ways throughout the course of a couple of different seasons. So that one, I just went with what's the prettiest one, the original. We get a nice pink color, go mm. with that. You know, not the sort of drab, olive soupy, very boring looking color later. I guess that ends up being Plomy Gala Christine Chapel. So <laughs> that works. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, the, the sources really blew me away because... You know, I I think we as Star Trek fans sometimes I, I I'm trying not to be rude to other people's works and that kind of thing, but very surface level stuff sometimes mm. where it's like, let's put the Star Trek name on it, let's, you know, get sure. a few references from a few shows and stuff. But as I'm flipping through this, I'm seeing like, oh, this was mentioned in Star Trek Online. Oh wow. 
And then I get to Kimden Rolls, and the source is the Star Trek The Next Generation ebook novella, Slings and Arrows, <laughs> The Insolence of Office. And I mean, it's it's kind of a niche of Star Trek fans that read the novels, and it's probably a niche of a niche of Star Trek fans that read the ebook exclusives when they right. came out back then. Right. So that blew me away. What was what was the process of kind of finding those those really obscure references that the average fan might not even have come across sure. before? Well, I think that actually it touches on your last question, which is what do you do when there's not that much to go on, right? Mm. I After I did a bunch of my balancing, I realized I didn't have enough bread, you know, in the bread section or, or that sort of baked good kind of things. And I didn't have any rolls specifically. You know, you can turn any bread into rolls, um, but I wanted something kind of showy and, you know, back to memory alpha, memory beta, Kimden rolls. All right, so it's betazoid. Already, you know, we're, we're also low on betazoid foods over here. So uh, that would sort of tick two of those boxes, but we don't know much about it because it's just listed. Um, and I think not even really described, but I think some of the magic of fictional food descriptions is that even when it's not described, you know, they don't say, oh, well, it's swirled bun of purple and white dough that's pillowy, soft, yada, yada. It's just listed somewhere probably in like a, the description of a meal. You still think to yourself, well, I wonder what that is. I wonder what that tastes like. What does Betazoid food taste like anyway, you know? So it's it's sort of fun to try to answer some of those questions in a, a small way. Well, and I love in those cases, you're able to have a bit of fun with it too, because these are really striking, this kind of, like you said, purple and white swirled fluffy dough. And like, I... I don't I don't know what it'll taste like like but I want to eat it. You know? right. <laughs> it looks so good. <laughs> well, and uh I really wanted this recipe collection to be visually striking as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And that goes for, you know, combining different dishes together whether it's the um Norellian what's it bread. Um it's like a pesto swirl is fabulous tasting with any soup that looks really good too looks really cool on the place you know you've got <laughs> your bowl of soup and you've got your like crazy swirly bread over here so things like that and that was the intent with the the basic section at the beginning too you know not only do you have sauces that are incorporated into other recipes but a number of garnishes so if you want to make a dessert and stick like one of the bubble sugar garnishes on mm, top that instantly yeah elevates it and really makes it Instagrammable or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I really want to like present my wife with a bowl of ice cream with one of those purple ones stuck in the top. I think it would look so cool. Rippleberry ice cream. It's pretty straightforward. That's true too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so were there any particular favorites that jumped out that, you know, maybe um, maybe you had to put a little bit of extra work into or something, but when it came out, you were just like, oh, that is that is perfect. Uh, the quadro triticale salad, mm. I am most proud of. I love that. I kind of want to just print the photo and frame it and just stick it on the wall because that <laughs> to me is like peak uh, Star Trek food. Um, and that was inspired by 
just sort of a, a throwaway eating scene almost in Discovery. In that, Captain Lorca is, you know, slurping down these tentacles as part of his salad. And you're both horrified and intrigued about what it is he's eating. <laughs> and there are a lot of separate components in that recipe that all go together. But in the end, it's just like, I really like that one. Oh, that's awesome. That's one I, that I notice is a four out of four pips difficulty. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, it's, it, and none it looks of the like... separate components are especially tricky, but you know, you make the topping, you make the little carrot tendrils, you make the like crispy twill thing, and there's a dressing. So it's there are a lot of a lot of moving parts, but you know, none of them. It's not like puff pastry from scratch uh, mm. kind of difficulty. It's just getting all your ducks in a row. One dish that I'm actually really glad, unless I missed it, that I didn't see in this book based on the cast's reaction to it was, I don't know if you remember Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. They served, and it, it turns out the prop was dyed blue lobster meat that they, they served the <laughs> I Klingon. remember that meal. <laughs> yeah. And apparently it was terrible and, and you know, probably sitting under hot studio lights mm. for hours or something. Yeah. Um I, I'm I'm actually thankful that I didn't see that dish going through here. <laughs> well, I was tempted. Nothing says alien space food like blue. Mm -hmm. I I played with a couple of not the lobster meat, but um, I think there are also like pearl onions that are dyed blue, and I was playing with those as maybe a like a cocktail garnish, but mm. never quite never quite got anywhere with that. Yeah. I've shelved that for maybe uh, the next go around. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I I promise you, I will not include blue lobster meat ever. <laughs> Nobody needs that. No. Yeah. Although I heard the um, sort of similarly, the uh, the Jumja sticks in DS9. Mm. I guess they made one batch early on and then they just reused those same Jumja sticks. They kept them in the fridge, you know, for the yeah. rest of ds9 filming which is impressive and horrifying yeah uh terrifying absolutely yes. yeah and that was one that got away from this collection i meant to i wanted to include it i made it once and they were perfect the right oh, shape wow. the right consistency and i didn't take notes and i could never manage it again it just turned into like goo puddles um, oh shoot yeah yeah so next time Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm so eager to try Klingon blood wine. That is an interesting, the Ractigino, I'm not sure about the whole egg in there. Like it shell sounds all. worse than it is. It's actually, uh, it makes a very mellow, beautifully clear coffee when you're done. That is also mm. really nice iced. It is suitably Klingon looking when it is brewing up in the pot and it, it's fairly horrifying. I, I readily admit that, but super tasty coffee so excellent yeah well i might have to give that a try too for sure see the uh the little easter egg ingredient in the blood wine includes uh, a dash of prune juice of course. yes <laughs> thank you i was gonna mention that that's so great <laughs> you know i kind of figure you know guinan gives wharf prune juice obviously he says this is a drink for warriors and we think that's funny because we do not think that way of prune juice here on earth generally uh, but I thought, well, why would he say that unless it reminds him of something that is, in fact, a drink for warriors? So, stands to reason, maybe it reminds him ever so slightly of blood wine. So. That's excellent. I like that. 
So, and, and that just goes to show the thought that's going into this. It's not just like, a, oh, let's, you know, just do this for fun. You know, you're right. really thinking yeah. these things through and like from a logical in-universe perspective. And that, that right. really comes across, I think, in these. Oh, good. Well, and the, the Klingon food especially and drink, you know, it's because of the attention to detail and accuracy it's not necessarily something you're going to dig into every day. Uh, <laughs> now, it hasn't made it into our, our steady dinner rotation. The look of betrayal on my then one-year-old's face when I served her gah uh, was <laughs> to be treasured forever. But I think it is appropriately strange mm. to cling on food um, and worth trying once. So. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing, too, is the majority of these recipes are actual usable interesting dishes and i think a lot of times you know there'll be compromises on the edibility of something in order to make it you know look alien or or fit something but yeah. like of all the recipes i've read like all of them so far are ones that like oh i'd love to try that i'd really want to I think that could work, you know, and and I think that's really a benefit to this book. Mm. And like, it's going on my shelf with the other cookbooks. It's not going to go with my Star nice. Trek yeah. fiction yeah. books. Oh, ooh, that's, that's, I like that. Putting together any recipe, let alone a collection of recipes, there's always a balance that's very tricky to navigate, I think, between complexity to make, weirdness of ingredients, and taste and appearance, right? And you're trying to hit sort of that very middle bit of that four-part Venn diagram where it looks amazing, tastes great or good enough for the one time through, you know, it's edible, but also, you know, has to be canon, has to, to, as you've said, you know, not just be a, a name stuck on there. It has to feel rooted in that world. I was curious, there there have been other, or, or at least one other that I can think of, Star Trek cookbooks in the past. Mm -hmm. There was one with uh, Neelix on the cover. Yep. And then uh, also, you know, Star Trek The Experience in Las Vegas kind of played around with some dishes and drinks and that sort of thing. Were there any kind of influences from any of those in these? Or is this from scratch, totally built from the ground up? Uh, it's mostly from scratch. However... The some of those did inform choices I made. Like the the Neelix cookbook, I think is is great, and it, you know, that's what fans have been cooking out of for twenty years. Like, and so I I mean that's amazing, and people love it. They you know, you know how rare it is to see people still tweeting about a cookbook from twenty years ago, mm -hmm. like, almost every day. It's amazing. That's a real feat. And what I love about that is you get a glimpse at the actors, you get a glimpse at the characters, uh, and you get a glimpse behind the scenes. But it feels to me a little bit like it can't quite make its mind up about what it wants to be because it's trying to do everything. But personally, I loved the behind the scenes bits. Um, and I did pull some tidbits from there, like the when building the Romulan ale. You know, mm. they, they used a blue sports drink at some point for the on-screen Romulan nails. So I said, all right, well, what if we incorporate that into this recipe? That sounds fun. If I am ever lucky enough to get to go to set, I'll be like, oh, hello, celebrities. Uh, show me to your props department. Like, I just want to go <laughs> follow someone around and like hold things for them for several days. That would, that would be my dream come true. I just want to see the stuff and how it all works. 
So things like that. Yeah. You know, and people, I think only ever had very positive things to say about the going to Quarks in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad I made it about two months before they closed. Mm. Some friends and I well went. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you say uh, 20 years later, people are still talking about that cookbook. I never actually had a copy of that one, but I'm so happy to have this one. And I really hope in 20 years, people are still tweeting about recipes and and trying new things from this book, as well as its many follow-ups. Let's just put that out in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great time to be a Trek fan. Oh, it so is. Plenty of new, uh, new material to cook through pretty soon. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your take on Pike's Pasta Mama, I think he made in oh, one episode. right. It's like <laughs> nobody could make leftover pasta look that good. That mm-hmm. just looks fabulous. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the book is released on September 20th. As we're recording that, that's tomorrow. As the episode comes out, it should be yesterday. So if people want to follow you online or, or check out what you're up to, where can they best do that? Uh, Twitter is probably easiest. Uh, I'm at in at Crossroads, which is the my original food blog from Game mm. of Thrones. But also the website is a good landing place. I talk a little bit more there with some images about sort of side-by-sides of in-screen or on-screen dishes and how I translated that into the cookbook, things like that. As people are cooking, no matter how many sets of eyes we get on a cookbook, there's always one something that falls through the cracks in terms of... Uh, <laughs> little copy editing mistakes. So if I find any of those, I also have a list of uh, errata on the website that people can refer back to. But I think we did a pretty darn good job with this one. So I I have not yet found any little blips. So fingers crossed. Looks pretty great to me. One of my favorite authors uh, has a saying that his best way of finding an error in a book is to get the box of author copies, take off the first copy, randomly open to a page, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That seems very true. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so September 20th is when people can pick up this book and it's available, I'm assuming, anywhere you get books, Amazon, Absolutely. local bookstores. You got it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I, I look forward to hearing what people think of this because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. So. Me too. Well, I uh, I look forward to hearing what you dive into first for cooking. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back uh, when volume two comes out. Sounds good. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening to this interview. I had a lot of fun talking to Chelsea. And like I said, I'm really excited to try some of the recipes in this book. Maybe I'll bring that up on a future episode of Positively Trek, give one of these a try and let y'all know how it turned out. All that's left for me now is to thank everyone once again for listening and a special thank you to the Patreon supporters. 
of the podcast. You really do make these episodes possible. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Positively Trek and on Facebook in the Positively Trek discussion group. If you'd like to support the podcast, Patreon.com slash Positively Trek is where you can do that. Once again, thank you to our supporters and to all of you for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. And only Troubles has the taste kids love. Parents love that Tribbles are packed with 18 essential vitamins and minerals. And Edward. Tribbles contain more human DNA than any other leading brands. Thus the building blocks of life. Override your replicator safety protocols and set it for Tribbles. Original, Harry Berry, and new Spicy Ranch. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.